0: Hello Hello,
1: and welcome to another episode of Where's My Freaking Dressing Room, a podcast discussing the world of classical music and what things are really like backstage. I'm Alex. And I'm Helen. And today we thought we'd like to discuss the topic of the inner critic. Mm, 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 Now, mm. what do we mean by this? We'd like to talk about how in your private practice, Mm. there's always this niggling little voice judging what sound you're making and what your voice is doing, essentially. Mm-hmm. We'd like to discuss how this niggling little voice again affects you in a rehearsal process with other people and how it might potentially hamper your creativity. We'll then talk about how this little voice appears while you're on stage, mm-hmm. while you're singing in the middle of a show or a recital, and how whatever you do, you cannot get rid of this inner critic going on all the time and then finally how this affects you post show um and how it can lower the mood of yourself the audience and everyone around you really if you're not careful
0: yeah absolutely i think as we were discussing how to like bring this episode together, we both agreed that actually there are times where the inner critic is helpful because you're analysing what you've done in a rehearsal or practice or performance context and you're trying to improve. There are ways, I think, of using that inner critic and that inner voice and turning that into constructive feedback for yourself. However... The topic that we're kind of talking about today is like how sometimes we let that critical, analytical voice kind of run wild and it really takes over in those practice sessions, in those rehearsal sessions, and in those performances. And we wanted to offer you some ideas and ways and just some conversation about how best one might deal with that very difficult little inner critic.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, should we start with practice then? Let's do it. Yeah, I guess, of course, the whole point of private practice is to sing something, think, and then think to yourself, God, that was crud, let's do it again, <laughs> and then sing it better, right? That's me all day, <laughs> every day. <laughs> but I think something that I have only just started to do is not think about the sound necessarily... Yeah. above all that i am making because yeah. you know you could be practicing in a padded cell you could be <laughs> <laughs> you could be practicing in a bathroom or whatever yeah. and you cannot tell how your voice is going to carry in a yeah. recital hall yeah. or on the stage or whatever so you've got to trust and let go and and believe that okay well today i'm working on these things and i cannot possibly be analyzing everything at once i've got to take a step back and decide okay my practice session today is just focused on this yep and this rather than everything else going on at once
0: yeah absolutely and i think back when we did our little episode on practice we talked about how you know in order to make the most out of your practice sessions it can often be good to set goals or things that you want to achieve within the context of that session and I think if you're kind of channeling that critical energy into thinking about those two or three things that's that makes sense that's fair game but if you're listening back perhaps to an exercise you've just done or a phrase that you've just sung and you're sitting there being like, well, that sounds really crap. I mean, I'm just crap. That's How is that a beneficial way to use your practice session? You're essentially just beating yourself up for an hour or two hours or however long you're practicing for. And I can't really imagine one comes out of a practice session feeling good if that's the kind of way that they're channeling their, their critical energy. And so I think it's about using your ability to analyze and critique and focusing that you know analytical critical self on those very specific elements but it's not easy and and you know we're sitting here you know preaching but often it's so hard I think for us to practice what we preach I don't know about you but I just find myself constantly criticizing myself in my practice
1: sessions of course all the time and there's you know Often, you know, you sing and you're like, oh, I'm terrible voice today. It's all going to be terrible. But if you can use that critic in a beneficial way and say, oh, okay, it's because uh, my core isn't engaged properly. Oh, okay. It's because for some reason my breath flow isn't free or something, you know, then you can fix that little bit that that is making your voice bad today.
0: Definitely. I think a lot of it is actually about getting out of your head and into your body mm. and You know, I've been trying my best and it's something I'll forever be working on, I'm sure, to, you know, if I I feel like I'm not singing very well or I'm feeling like things aren't working for me on that day, I really now try to physically locate areas where I'm like, okay... You know, I think I need to just warm up the middle of the voice for a bit longer. It's obviously a bit tired. I've been doing a lot of singing in that area and it's just going to be a slower process. And in a way, actually, it's being kind to yourself and a bit more gentle with yourself because it's how is it helpful to just go in and be like, well, this is terrible. I'll just keep practicing for an hour and it'll all still be terrible. Saying to yourself, like, what are the things I need right now in order to make progress, in order to improve, in order to achieve the goals that I've set for myself? Now, you know, I think I think it takes time to start to encourage that mental attitude, which says be a bit kinder, be a bit less heavily critical. But I think once you start to to work in that way and think in that way, you, your practice sessions, well, certainly from my end, they all, they just naturally become a bit more enjoyable because you're you're a bit more understanding of what's going on with yourself as opposed to just being like it's not good enough it's not good enough because just saying it's not good enough time and time again is gonna get you nowhere
1: exactly and as you said you come away from the practice session therefore if you've had a really beneficial constructive session then you're like blam 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 I've done that I've built on this yeah. rather than like well that was a write-off of a day haha See yeah, tomorrow. yeah definitely so
0: and just that idea that I mean, when I think of the inner critic, it's often, and you mentioned it at the start, actually, that idea of the niggling voice. So for me, it does have a lot of negative connotations. And it really is about transforming that kind of conversation with yourself and being like, OK, I, I hear what you're saying, that maybe this thing isn't so good. But what are the things I can do to change that and, and help that?
1: Yeah, imagine well, imagine if your teacher sounded like your inner critic and yeah. in the lesson they were like,
0: it's crap, it's
1: bad, you're <laughs> terrible, get out. It's like, mm, no. So, yeah, I, I sort of tried to translate my, my inner critic into my teacher's voice.
0: Yeah, or if you can try and be objective and be like, if I had somebody else singing like this, what might I suggest to help? And, and you know, guiding yourself in that way, because I think we're, we're a lot kinder to other people than we are to ourselves. Or certainly we are. <laughs>
1: This is a call for Helen Daniels to costuming. Once again, this is a call for Helen Daniels to costuming.
0: And then our next kind of bullet point in terms of this inner critic is moving forward from the practice room into the rehearsal process. Um, I find, for me, actually, this is one of the worst places that my inner critic crops up because I'm nervous. I'm nervous about what, the other people on the project or in the rehearsal are thinking of me and that niggling little voice just starts offering me negative commentary time and time again and as you actually mentioned before Alex for me it's always quite often about um, the quality of the sound and that is where my biggest critic comes and it's like well that didn't sound very nice and that didn't sound very nice and often actually I find in you know, projects and operas and things, they're like, I don't want I don't even want a nice sound. But all I can think about is that's not a very nice sound. That's not a very beautiful sound. That's not a very pretty sound. And you know, once you actually identify that as the as the kind of main critical commentary that's going on inside your head, it does become, I would say, easier to put to one side and be like, right, well this is obviously my main critical bugbear. However, is that helping me in this rehearsal process is it allowing me to be open to everything that's being suggested to me is it allowing me to be free to to take risks with my colleagues to really enjoy the rehearsal process overall no it's not it's actually almost I find like a filter so like somebody's suggesting something to me but All I'm kind of doing is going, like, make a nice sound, make a nice sound, make a beautiful sound. Can you make this beautiful sound? Can you make that more beautiful? And so then when somebody's like, oh, I need, like, you know, you're a witch. Like, give me something really kind of bitey or, like, an ugly sound. I'm literally like,
1: but I can't. I don't do ugly. Yeah, I'm just
0: like, it's a beautiful sound, but Mm. I I must make a beautiful sound. (laughs) And, um you want to be a singer and a, and a colleague that's great to work with you know that's really firing off lots of different ideas that it's a really enjoyable process for you and for everybody else around you but if you're constantly criticizing yourself after literally we're talking like every no how can you possibly be in the moment delivering the drama delivering the text delivering the meaning of the scene because really all you're doing is just self-analysing all the time and I don't know about you Alex but I always find like I feel I can see that when other people are doing that and I have no doubt people can see it when I'm doing
1: it Mm, too of course yes and also the other side to that so often well in obviously in an opera context you're having to you know block scenes and act and stuff and oh my goodness the inner critic can go mental Mm -hmm. uh when when a director's like play with the scene or something and I'm like I don't play, I do perfectly. Um, so, you know, that is the moment. And I, I'm learning still to to kind of, if if that is said, yeah. or, you know, we're, we're just trying to experiment and see what works and see, you know, who actually is your character and what ugly sides need to be shown. And, you know, whatever side you show isn't bad. It's just like, okay, well, that, that character traits us for another moment in time or something, but you've got to explore the whole palette of ideas before you slimline it down to the correct moment for the right scene you yeah know? Definitely. and if you're always thinking like oh I look like a total tool there with whaling my arms about I don't know whatever you know that you're never matter. gonna yeah exactly mm-hmm. right um yeah it's it's the creative process it really is isn't it it's that yeah. you're hampering with yeah. this silly inner critic
0: I don't know about you but also you know what you were saying there just reminded me like I find it hard if the rehearsal process picks up on perhaps like a personal insecurity so like recently i was asked to to be quite like feminine and effeminate and quite sensual and if i'm honest like that's not in a that's not my comfort no zone yeah. <laughs> and it's not really something that i'm used to doing like i'm often playing like you know the witch or the ogre Back. you know Back. yeah I, my dream role so when, you, when you're asked to kind of move into these areas that you feel uncomfortable, my immediate thoughts are like, well, you're not moving very gracefully. Well, you don't really look very good. Well, you obviously don't look very sensual when you're doing that. And it's like, I you have to find a way of, you know, saying to yourself, like, I mean, by that point, it's like, this isn't even a helpful critic now. This is just me being cruel and critical to me. And I, again... I do find if I'm able to identify those things, as I did during that rehearsal process, I was able to kind of, again, put them to one side and be like, these are all like long-standing feelings that I've held from much younger than today. But today I am this character. I am Rosina. And actually if I am Rosina, I have all this sensuality to work with. And if you're able to kind of give yourself a bit more to that character and put away that inner critic, it 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 becomes such a, more enjoyable as you say you know it's it is the creative process and it's about playing and if you're able to play then i just think you get such a greater creative product at at the end of the process
1: that's interesting so would you say to help you get rid of that voice you sort of go inside your character even more
0: i suppose yes Mm -hmm. and i suppose with someone like rosina who is such a well-documented character in a way it's quite easy to to figure out who she might be in a manifestation of yourself I mean one of the brilliant things about her I would say is that she's really confident so you know sometimes I find it's about like looking for character traits that you can really delve into so I being her I was like I am confident and I am confident in my ability to do this and I think alongside that as well I tried to work with my insecurities so I was like okay I'm I'm nervous about not looking very gracious. What's going to help me look gracious is practicing these movements in front of a mirror and to give myself that inner confidence, that confidence that resina would have. And um, if you're able to look at your critical side and that inner critic and be like, okay, well, that's what I'm thinking. How can I fix it? How can I combat it? So kind of like we were saying before with the practice, what are things I can do to improve what my head is saying to me mm. as opposed to being like, overwhelmed by it yeah yeah no
1: exactly one thing that i do now which i kind of enjoy and it it does depend who you're playing with on stage um is i totally just focus on them and like obsess with what they're doing and my surroundings so to take myself totally out of my own body yeah and head and character and just like so the smallest thing they do I end up reacting to, like, but which is a bit much because I just make myself jump all the time, which doesn't (laughs) work, but at least it's a way, (laughs) it's a process to get myself out of my head so that you're just, well, acting is reacting, as they say. So, (laughs) so, you know, you're just, you're taking, you're you're using what they're doing and then hopefully they can feed off you. I mean, I hope that doesn't come across when I'm working with these people it's extremely selfish because I'm not giving anything back to them and I'm just taking from them, but I don't really care to be (laughs) honest because that's what works for me, so, (laughs) Uh
0: (laughs) ha They call in the drain. (laughs) Exactly.
1: And also, I'm just going off on one here, something you said, you know, about like, oh, you know, uh, you don't feel graceful as Rosina. It's Mm. like, but isn't it great seeing characters on stage who are real characters? So like a real life Rosina, let's say, might also have these insecurities like, oh gosh, I'm not very graceful. Yeah. So when you see someone's weakness on stage, because you can self-identify with that. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah, you're a real person too. Yeah. I really like that yeah. character yeah. choice. And it may not be a character choice. It might be the... Real life. Yeah, exactly. It might be the singer's real insecurities showing through. Yeah. But, you know, all characters have to have an insecurity. Of course, of yeah, sorts, you're so. absolutely
0: right. I, yeah, it's tough, I think, when, like, you're being asked to be a certain way and it's really picking up on something you don't know how to do very well. And as I say, like, yeah, I love that idea that it's like a real... Human element to the character. I guess yeah, it's like finding that balance of offering them what they're asking for, finding your way of doing it so it's personal to you, yeah, and, and kind of dampening that that critical voice
1: in your head. Mm-hmm.
0: Ah, I'm changing.
1: And now we're into the performance. Ah. Yes. Ah. So curtain goes up, and you've been your sick. first <laughs> note. <laughs> your first note is bum. Oh no! Uh. Oh, you crack. Wow. What happens for the next two and a half hours? You obsess mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. that cracked entrance. Wow, it's impossible not to. It really is. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can you can laugh about it maybe during you know the moment you go off stage. But then the moment you go back on stage, you're like, "Well, I got to make up for that." Yeah. yeah, you know, they're they're now rejudging me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah how how on earth do you deal with that? You
0: know, we even mentioned that in the rehearsal process. There, there's a worry about what other people think of you. And actually, I think one of the things we forget is that as singers we're also worried about ourselves that no one's really here to listen to your bum notes because mm. we're, you know you're all worrying about where do you come in next you know where what en- entrance do you need to be at are you in costume are you ready so someone comes in and they're like oh my god did you hear that note? it's terrible most people are like no no because they also, weren't paying attention yeah exactly and you know there's pros and cons i think to that as tune thinking about it because really I love the idea that like a project of singers it's all like a team and actually we are listening but in reality I think that's often not the case and actually in shows that's really hard to do because you want to give your role 110% And I think often that does therefore require quite an ultimate focus on what it is you're doing as opposed to uh hearing their entry like if you if you're trying to get your costume on at that time you're probably not listening properly to that that initial entrance um but Something I was thinking about as you were talking there. (laughs) Here comes another sporting analogy. Um, We love tennis, do we not? Oh, we do. Okay, I'm I'm up for this. Carry on. So I often find when you hear tennis players in kind of post-match analysis or even, you know, the commentary, one of the things tennis players are taught to do is play every point and only focus on every point. And it's that idea that whatever happened before you've let it go. You've had to drop it because it's all about this next point. And often that can result, you know, depending on the match, uh, in incredible games because it's like one player might be down by a whole set and they might be losing by four games. But if they're able to psych themselves into just playing point by point by point, they can claw that back. And it goes into like, you know, a five set game that Mm. makes history. And although this isn't quite the same, it's that idea that, okay, it was a bum note, but I've put it behind me, and I'm focusing on what comes next, I'm focusing on giving this next entry, you know, my all, and in a way, I'm focusing on making this next entry better, you know, what what whatever happened before, is done, and it's about this next bit being as, enjoyable and healthy, and and, you know, fantastic as possible, but, Again, you know, we're sitting here talking about it, but we both know how hard it is to do. It really takes a lot of mental control to to be able to put mistakes aside. Mm. But, you know, in order to create great performance, you know, I've seen some incredible performances where there have been mistakes. There have been audible mistakes, but I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm just thinking, I think I saw uh, Daniel Trifonov in Wigmore Hall and he, I really want to say he played the B minor sonata and I'd never seen it live before and I was literally, I was losing my mind. But they were missed it, like, you know, there's parts that are in octaves and like an octave was missed, but I didn't care because he was so immersed in the piece and like just just delivering the intention of that incredible piece of music that I just, I was completely swept up in it. And so for me, it's like mistakes and bomb notes, they actually aren't the end of the world. It is about the performance as a whole. And I think I, I maybe mentioned to you a while back, like when I got that opportunity to deliver my final recital, it was really nice to have 50 minutes that were my own. So like, yes, some of those notes were crap, but... I was able to kind of move on and be like okay next song and I'm here to just enjoy this song and I'm here to deliver this aria in this program and to have that opportunity to deliver more than just a five minute aria in a master class or your four lines when you're on stage in act one and then four lines when you're on stage in act two you know that's really hard actually to to control that and not be super critical because sometimes if you're a smaller part in a project you really start to obsess over the tiniest things and that's yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Yeah,
1: agreed. I think something that my teacher said to me with with songs and things and and great art is it's like every time you sing it, you have to you have to imagine that it's like the last thing you will ever sing. I mean, I don't. Wow. I don't mean like Give it your all and burn yourself or do that. The immolation scene is calling.
0: <laughs> but in
1: the sense that you hopefully you really love that piece, whatever it is. So, you know, just like enjoy every single note. Yeah. Enjoy all the rests. Yeah. Enjoy all the entrances, all the exits, whatever. Yeah. So that, you know, you're making the most of every time you sing it. Which, as you said, is so hard when you have like certo Signor and that's all you do and then it's like, cool, okay. I saw that. I really I was enjoyed witness that. To that.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's that that is you're you're so right. And like finding a way to make your maybe smaller part have that enjoyment level and and that experience and i don't know about you but like certainly coming out of covid even if it is a small role it has been lovely to get back out and be like okay i don't have loads of lines in this opera but i'm just going to enjoy the bits that i am in and, and and make the most of those and um just feeling off with what we were saying there like I was bumping a project two weeks ago, and um, the Choral Society were, were doing their best, and it was hard music, and, and they were, you know, really trying. And we got to the end of the rehearsal before the concert, and the uh, older lady that was sat next to me turned to me and was like, "So, like, is there anything I should be like checking over? Is there anything I need to be, I need to be looking at? Is there anything I could improve on?" And I just said to her, "I was like, this is now about enjoyment." i i think if you're in this kind of community core society experience you are doing it for love you're doing it for love of the craft and the and the enjoyment of the performance and i just said to her i was like your focus now is to enjoy it enjoy yourself and that, that is the be all and end all and i you know wouldn't it be great if we could feel a bit more like that and i know the stakes are higher in certain areas and reputation and and delivering a good performance and yes these things are incredibly important and and singing at your best is incredibly important but also for me you know when people ask me like why do i why why do i sing and yes it's it's because i love music i love it so much and the feeling that i get when i perform and i deliver and i touch other people uh, that is that is second to none so trying to hold on to some of those things during the performance rather than just being like terrible I was terrible. That was terrible. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Cause you come out feeling like, Oh my god, I, I thought I loved this thing so much, but it's making me feel Yeah, bad utterly dreadful. And mm. that you know, that's that's as a performer and as a as an artist, as a as an athlete, that is really not very good for you to just be coming out of performance and rehearsal and everything, just feeling utterly terrible about yourself.
1: I agree. And also something now I have learnt to do and hopefully will carry on implementing, is this idea of, you know, you don't immediately come off stage and tell other people like, oh my God, did you hear? Did you hear? Yes. That? Oh, that was so embarrassing. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Yes. because, you know, as you said, they they may have not noticed. They probably didn't notice, let's be honest. And yeah. all you're doing is, is sort of bringing everyone else down and putting everyone else into their own head.
0: Yes, yes. I would say this might be the toughest thing, but it's like if you come in obsessing about your thing and bring your anxious energy that feeds into everybody else and what they're thinking about. And you know i i don't know about you but certainly in projects i find like i gravitate towards people and so they might be like my close confidants within the context of the project so they might be the people that i later Mm -hmm, might be like mm -hmm. i was i was i just i didn't quite nail that but it's about learning to kind of think about like okay you know we're halfway through the show you know the big uh, ensemble scenes coming up probably isn't going to be helpful if I go in and I'm like did you hear my yeah. terrible note and everyone's probably trying to get into their headspace to do their next bit it's it's all tough and, it, and you know so much of this depends on the project and how many people there are and what the dynamic of the entire group is like but trying to be in the performance and be in the moment and putting that critical voice, I, I think I've said this three times now but putting that critical voice to one side Because you will come back to it later. And and knowing that you will do that, I certainly find it helps me be like, not right now, we'll talk about it later. That's almost like I'm saying that to myself the entire show. This is a call for Alex Simpson to Wigs and Makeup. Once again, this is a call for Alex Simpson to Wigs and Makeup. To the final inner critic element a post-performance congratulations.
1: Ah, It's tough being congratulated,
0: isn't (laughs) it? It's tough being loved, being adored by so many fans. Um, I don't know about you, and I must say, um, this is one of my real problems. I'm really bad at being told well done if I don't think I've done a very good job. And I had a really strong period of time where people would be like, well done. And I'd be like, no, (laughs) that was terrible. And like, that is not the way to go you know, I, I still struggle with it now where people say well done and I'm like no in my head and I'm mm-hmm. like thank you and just trying to accept the compliment and in a way sometimes I really try and listen to what they're saying because I'm like okay, well you were the audience member in this context, you're coming and saying congrats, like what did you get out of it and maybe I can take that as some, you know, additional feedback rather than just completely shutting that person down because i and i've said it on the podcast before in our episode on bad performance experiences it's rude at the end of the day for somebody to congratulate you and for you to just completely shut them down that that is not the way to go and so again i still feel it's about parking that voice until you can deal with it in a slightly different context
1: exactly once your adrenaline has fully left your system like 24 hours 48 hours later yeah rather than the minute the minute after the applause during the applause. <laughs> Stop applauding. It Get was terrible. Out.
0: Get out now. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Right. Just like being able to you know, you deserve that time yeah. to be to be congratulated for what you've done. Yeah. And also they they deserve their time to praise you. Yeah. I know that sounds odd, doesn't it? You're right sense. But yeah.
0: They really do. And I think often where we're in this critical place, it's like we have focused in on only the bad things and it's like there will have been a hundred a thousand good things but our nature as these analytical and critical people means we really only focus in on the bad things and so yeah as somebody comes out and they've just experienced a whole wonderful show and they want to tell you that and you're like uh no
1: you must be dumb and you i didn't think you, pick you, that up.
0: yeah and as you say like they deserve their time to praise you and also like if you if you turn around and say like oh no it wasn't very good you're actually changing their opinion of the (laughs) show and it's like that's you know if if they thought it was great let them think that that's that's great that your difficult moments weren't perceived by the audience in that way and i think that was something you picked up on earlier like we might feel certain ways when we're singing and performing but actually like what the audience gets and what they see in here is is quite a different thing and often I really find that like I'll be singing I'm like god this is awful this feels awful and then somebody will be like oh that was you know I really enjoyed that what a and um I'm like really like surely not and you know it's tough it's really tough to stand outside of yourself and be like oh right externally that's been been perceived quite well but you as as you say we need to let the audience enjoy that moment of, of congratulating and praising and, and saying how much they enjoyed whatever it yeah, was. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, just like telling that inner critic to stop. Yeah. Stop for a minute. Stop! All cast, all cast, this is your five-minute call. Repeat. All cast, all cast, this is your five-minute call.
0: As we've kind of gone through these various elements, practice, rehearsals, different elements of the performance, Something we've been kind of repeatedly saying here is like, put the inner critic to one side, tell the inner critic to stop for that moment. And, and so our kind of advice and guidance in this respect is like, find a time to access that inner critic because I think as we said at the beginning, there is use for that critical of and course. analytical mind because when you're able to analyze yourself, you can then develop and improve and figure out the things that you need to work on and you can that feeds into future Households practice whatever but it's not very useful to just have that inner critic taking over the entire time so I've mentioned it again before something I like to do is after performances or after recitals or things that I've seen as quite crucial important things in my career I write about it and I sit down with a diary and it's either the same evening or it's the morning after but it's fairly soon after and I'll write and I tend to I think I said I write three things that I'm really pleased with and then I write perhaps three things that I feel I need to work on and that for me is the place where I let that inner critic have its time but it's in a It's in a constructive way because at the same time as offering the stuff I need to work on, I have also taken the time to single out things I was pleased with. Mm. And kind of forcing your brain to do that is really good for you because you're like, actually, maybe it wasn't as bad as I first thought. Actually, I did do that thing and that was an improvement from last time. And you just... Rather than again beating yourself up, constantly criticizing yourself, you're offering yourself something a bit more objective, something a bit more balanced. And one would hope that in behaving in that way, you're able to kind of, I want to say, receive the criticism a bit better. And you look at it and you're like, okay, I could work on these things. Whereas I certainly find when I've got that kind of niggling voice in the back of my head, it's never helpful. I'm never benefiting from it. I'm never analyzing it and thinking like, how could I do anything differently? It's literally just knocking my self-confidence. And and that's, that's no help
1: to anyone. No, exactly. No, I agree. And I like the idea of starting with positives. Yeah. I never do that. That's great. I'll do that. Yeah, I'll try.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it definitely, it almost eases the blow, if mm. you will. It just, it it is a bit more gentle. And again, I don't know about you, but like, I'll write, I'll write the day. Like, what did I do in the run up? What did I eat? When did I eat it? How did I sleep? And they're all just things that I can then look back on and kind of compare and contrast as to like, oh, Maybe that that isn't working for me, eating at that time. Or like maybe taking the nap actually isn't reviving Mm. me. It's actually making me feel more sleepy. And that's why that performance perhaps didn't go so well. So just thinking about those little elements and and allowing it to, to feed in because the critical voice is necessary as an artist. I think there are singers and artists that don't have that critical voice. And that is an element in their locker that is missing because you, you won't for your entire life have people telling you how to improve. Mm, teacher, mm. coach, director, whatever. There'll be periods where either you don't have work, you can't see your teacher, you can't see your coach. And you need to be able to tap into that critical voice to help yourself work on things that need to be worked on, improve, assess, analyze, whatever. So this thing we're talking about, this inner critic has value and worth. Mm-hmm. Only really though, in the right context yeah. and so i think we're, we're trying to suggest ways in which you can go out there and use that critic and use that inner voice you know don't let it run havoc when you're mid-show and you're freaking out about that mm. crud note that just came before don't let it completely hack down your practice and make you feel really low in self confidence. but do take some time to sit with a notepad and think about how things have gone and how you might want to improve.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think this is an idea that we'll touch on in future episodes. Um, Something, you know, some ideas for how to get out of your head. Yeah. Focusing on other things, obsessing on other things so Mm. that you're not obsessing on yourself. So uh, (laughs) watch this space. (laughs) Uh.
0: Because at the end of the day, singing, performing, it's a physical act. Mm, It really, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. obviously it needs brain power. But if you're only in your head... It doesn't translate. It does not come off the stage in the same way. And that, you know, nobody wants that. You, you're training so hard and you get to the moment of performance and then you can't give what you're so desperate to give. That's that's so frustrating. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. we're looking forward to chatting about that in the future. Mm. righty. I think that's a nice little uh, session on the old inner critique.
1: I think that was rather good, actually. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> if I do say something like that no, no, no. Um, Once again A big thanks To the Britain Pierce Foundation For hosting us This is another Of the episodes That's being recorded As part of our residency We're so lucky To be down in Auburn For this week It's been so, so useful Already In helping us Develop ideas And think about New directions mm-hmm. That we're going to Take the podcast in So once again A big thanks To the Britain Pierce Foundation And we're having A lovely time in the sun
1: We swam in the sea yesterday oh. Very nice
0: I mean Yeah, I was going to say don't know if you could call it swim i literally was like thrown about like a rock
1: <laughs> yeah do get in touch if you have any thoughts about this of course you all have thoughts about this and you all get in touch all the time so please don't stop doing that send us some really nice long emails we mm. like them particularly me uh, the email address is um, where's my freaking dressing room at gmail.com
0: don't forget to ping us on the old socials don't ping though NHS oh, no, trace ping. not that kind of ping wow. a nice social media ping that's what I mean on Twitter we are at dressing room P01 on Instagram we are at dressing room pod and on Facebook we're forward slash dressing room pod
1: and we also have a contact page on our website mm. as well don't we which is www.where'smyfreakingdressingroom.com
0: we love it please don't forget to give us a rating five stars thank you very much goodbye and
1: a quick subscribe also so you never miss an episode why would you want
0: to I don't understand but uh, yeah sending you guys loads of love and we'll be back soon with another episode bye goodbye